the book of Romans today. Uh, we have been in this for a year and a half, and now this is the fifth week we are in in uh, Romans chapter 16, and there's just a, two portions left, so we've covered everything except two portions. And uh, let's look at verse <clears throat> verse 17, Romans chapter 16, verse 17. He says, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances, contrary to the teaching which you learn, and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites, and their smooth and flattering tongue, by their smooth and flattering tongue, uh, I'm sorry, and by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. For the report of your obedience has reached to all, therefore I am rejoicing over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So, um, uh, if you haven't attended, I attended the first service this morning, the, the early church service, and this he's teaching out of first out of 1 John chapter 2, and he covers something very similar to what I'm going to cover today. So it's almost as if you're going to hear hear it double, but from from two different angles. So what he says here in in verse 17 of, of Romans chapter 16, I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances, contrary to the teaching which you learned, and turn away from them. He says, so keep your eye on people who are teaching falsehoods, teaching things that, that bring dissensions and hindrances contrary to teachings which you've learned. How do you know, how do you know that they're, 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 those are, they're causing dissensions and hindrances? He says, it's going to be contrary to the things that you've learned. If it's different than the things that you've learned, you've got to be really careful about this. And so what should be your reaction? He tells us right here, turn away, turn away from them, have nothing to do with them. He says, for such men... So now he goes on describing these people. Now, obviously, Paul is not woke. He, he is talking about people, publicly. He's talking about other people. And he says, for such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites or their own bellies. And, their, and by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearers... Uh, they, they, they deceive the they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. Okay, so let me tell you a story. There was a there was a young man in this class. This was a number of years ago. I would say maybe I don't know seven to ten years ago, and and uh, he was he was a great helper. He used to help us set things up. He used to to help us a lot uh, setting up tables and things. And one day over the lunch uh, at our home, he and another guy were talking, and they were talking about. A third individual. So the two two guys were talking about a, a third individual. They're saying, "Oh yeah, that brother so and so. He really knows his Bible. I mean, he's, he gives the greatest advice, and he just really knows a lot." And so I'm, I'm I'm overhearing this conversation. So I'm like, "Who is this guy who really knows the Bible? Who's really impressing you guys? I'd love to meet him. I really want to meet somebody who who loves the Bible like that, and 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 uh, gives you all this instruction. I'd love to meet that person." And, uh, it, and, and so I said, maybe you could, you could set that up and, and, and I could get to know that person. Well, these two guys then left. And one student who was a graduate student from India, he approached me, said, the person 
that these two guys are talking about, there's something strange about him. I said, oh, really? What's strange? I mean, sometimes people who love the Bible are strange, you know. So what's strange? He said, well, he lives near campus, and, and when these young men go to his home to learn from him, he, he's usually sitting in a hot tub with another friend of his, and the young men get, take off all their clothes, and they go in the hot tub with him, and they have these discussions. Ah... Uh, that's not the way I learn things. Um, that sounds sort of odd to me. And so you can imagine there's these alarms going off in my mind. He says, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances, contrary to the teachings which you have learned. I've never learned about people instructing others in this way, in a good sense. And so... So I immediately went back to this, this one guy who was really excited about the Lord and I knew, and I approached him the next week. And, and, and I can be rather abrupt, but I confronted him on this. I said, I heard that this man that you were talking about, who you go to for this Christian counseling, that he sits in a hot tub naked with another guy and these young men from the campus that go there, take off their clothes and they get in the hot tub with him. Is that true? He said, well, I, I leave my underpants on. I said, look, this is messed up. This is not the way things are done. This guy is totally out of order, but I still want to meet him. I want to meet him, and I will be glad to, to go to his home and meet him, but I'm not getting in his hot tub. Or I'll meet him on campus. He can come to my office or the faculty club, and I'll have him to lunch. I want to meet this man. Would you tell him I want to meet him? I said, tell me a little bit more about him. He said, well, I, I said, what, what kind of work does he do? I said, how old is he? He says, oh, he's probably in his mid-30s. I said, what kind of work does he do? He said, well, he, 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 doesn't, he lives with his mother, and he just kind of takes care of her. Again, these are alarm bells going off. I mean, a guy in his 30s who's physically able should be out working. They should not be home living with their mother. And, and, uh, um, and so you get these warnings, and, and these young college guys were just, there were no warnings going off in their head. It took a guy from India who was from another culture who realized that this is strange. This is not the way things ought to be. So I want to look at a few verses, because this is not the only verse in the Bible, in the New Testament, that warns us of things. Jesus warned us in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. What I have seen from people like this, from men that are preaching these strange sorts of things is that they do not serve. They are not servants. They love to sit there and pontificate and give instructions, but you will never see them serving others. So I asked, that's why I asked, I said, tell me, what does this guy do? What are the good works? How does he serve? What do, I, I don't know what he does. He just, just instructs young men in the Bible. And, and uh, 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 the, it clearly tells us right here that in the, in, in the Word of God, it, it tells us that... that uh, um, uh, 
Uh, Jesus said, if it's a bad tree, it's not going to produce good fruit. You need to be about serving in the body of Christ. You need to be about things. What People who just want to preach these things, they're not servants. They're not servants. We have other warnings. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, it says, I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia. He says, I'm urging you, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies who give rise, which give rise to mere speculations rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussions, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. He is saying, instruct these men to be careful about going into all these strange genealogies. If you hear about nobody in it, well, I can't say nobody, but... Most people in the Jewish scriptures are tied to somebody else. Rabbis love to tie, you know, they don't like to leave these loose ends. Where did this person descend from? Who's his brother? And so you have all these wild genealogies. And, and if we as believers get into that, it distracts us. He says, look, we've got some core fundamental teachings here. He's saying work with these men. So there is a place where you instruct men, don't do this sort of thing. So I was willing to meet with this person to say, the way you're meeting with these people is just wrong. And I was willing to instruct him. But, but Paul goes on differently in the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verse 8, he says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. If anyone preaches to you something different, that Jesus Jesus died on the cross for our sins, the Son of God comes and dies for our sins, that He was buried and that He rose again on the third day, that He resurrected on the third day, because, uh, 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 and, and, and through this we have life. If somebody teaches you something different than that, He says, let him be accursed. This is not grounds for instructing him in the right way. He says, that person is cursed. He says, even if we should come at some later date teaching you something else, we're accursed. He says, don't listen to us. How do you deal with this? You turn away from it. You turn away. You don't try to engage it, you turn away. Don't try to engage it, you turn away. If somebody comes preaching another gospel to you. There is instruction for people who are going astray. There's other things we are instructed. You you just leave those people. If they're preaching a contrary gospel. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. I mean, the, the New Testament is filled with this sort of instruction. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you have received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship we kept working day and night so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have the right to do this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you, so that you would follow our example. For even when we were with you, 
<clears throat> we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. No such persons... Uh, uh, now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in a quiet fashion and eat their own bread. So, if a man doesn't work, let him not eat. And I'll tell you, in our society, it would change a whole lot. I remember, I was alive when welfare first started. I was alive when it first started. There were many men in homes that were trying to make a living to support their family. When the government came in and said, we'll support people... Many men left those homes. Many men, because they figured the government will pay for this. A man is to work if he wants to eat. When I heard that this man doesn't work, boom! I mean, fire alarms going off in my head. We, get, we get, probably got a smoke detector that's chirping at us that needs a new battery. But fire alarms going off in my head. When I heard the man doesn't work, he's in his 30s and he lives with his mother. Now, unless she's so terribly disabled that she needs constant care, a man ought to be out working. I mean, these are the types of alarm bells. And he says, when we were among you, I want you to follow my example. We were, <clears throat> we were working. We weren't taking your money. We were working so that we could, we could serve among you. This is the example. He says, what you see in us, this is what you do. These guys that just want to sit around and pontificate about the word of God, there's some problem with them. There's a, there's a verse in, in Titus, Titus chapter 3, verse 8. Again, Paul instructing Titus. This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, I want to speak to you confidently, so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. The things, these things are good and profitable for men, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a factious man after a first and second warning. He says you can warn a man who's, who's, who's factious, who, who wants to cause division, once or twice. After that, have nothing to do with him. You think that's hard? You think that's mean? That's what God instructs us to do. He says, reject a factious man after first or second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. I mean, these are strong words. These are strong words. He says, he says that, that, uh, uh, that you would be careful to engage in good deeds. These are good and profitable for men. One of the ways you can, you can check this. And, and, and so I confronted that guy. I said, I want to meet him. He says, the guy says he doesn't want to meet you. Boom. There's another alarm. The guy doesn't want to meet me. Because he knew that I would challenge him to his face on this nonsense. And what happened is this young man totally separated himself from me. He never came back to the class. And I, and I had asked him. I said, do, do your mother and father know what you're doing? Because I had met his mother. I knew he came from a good Christian home. And uh, he says, well, I haven't told them yet. I said, you, well, you go tell your mother and father, and then tell me what they say. See if they're going to be happy about this. Well, anyway, he disappeared. He never came back. And about six months later, his mother wrote to me. She said, thank you for speaking to my son. She said he needed to hear that. And as soon as we found out, we confronted him as well. And about a year later, he wrote to me. He said, I never should have left you. You were absolutely right about this guy. There was another time, a guy in this class served, and, and wonderful guy. Uh, some guys told me, you know, he, he started going to another church, and that's fine. You know, wherever the Lord leads you, I don't, I'm not trying to hold anybody here. 
And some guys talked to me. They said, you know, it sounds kind of weird because he's going to this church and, and uh, he won't tell us much about it. He says, we have to sit through this teaching to learn about it. So, so I talked to him. I called him and I said, let's have a conversation. Said, tell me about this, this church you're going to. I said, tell me about their teachings and, and what's happening. And I'd love to meet the pastor and talk to him. He said, well, I can't tell you much because you'd really have to sit under the teaching. He says, I don't think you'd understand it. I said, okay, well, I've been studying this book for over 40 years. 40 years. You know, that, that's like 10 PhDs worth of study. Um, and you don't think I'd be able to get this. Okay, can I meet your pastor? Tell your pastor I'd like to meet with him. Well, he comes back and he says, the pastor said he won't meet with you until you've sat under the teaching for, I don't know, 14 weeks or something of teaching. Then and only then could you understand it. This is the sign of a cult. This is the sign of a cult. A cult has these little secrets that nobody else knows. Only they know it. Only they know it. Only they can get it. And I warned him about this. And I, and I said, let me ask you this. Does this group suggest that our church here, that, that the people in our church are not saved? He said, as a matter of fact, they do. I said, okay, this is another sign. When you start suggesting who is not saved, that's a problem. The Bible gives us a clear, clear indication of who is saved. And, 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 but to go around and flagrantly going around and saying who is not saved, that is a big problem. Again, a sign of another cult. You've got to be in our little group in order to be saved. I said, let me ask you a question. Was Billy Graham saved? He said, probably not. I said, okay, this is a cult you're in. And uh, I couldn't get him to, to, to leave it. But I did call his father because I had met his mother and father many times over the years. They had come to visit in the class and in our home. And I called his father. I said, you're going to have to speak to, to your son about this because he's involved in a cult. He warns us about these sorts of things. If it's different than the teaching you've gotten, let these alarm bells go off. If the person who's pontificating like this, if they're not working and doing good deeds. You ask me about what are the good deeds doing, done by this church? I'll say, do you have an hour? You have an hour to sit down to go through the list of the things that this church does, where money that comes into this church flows beyond the four walls of this church in ministry, going all over the world, all over the city, all the deployment of people around the city, all the good works that are happening. This is a sign because people who are doing this in these little cults, they're not out doing good works. They're out bringing people in to give to their little cult. These people sitting around in hot tubs trying to give advice. They're not out giving, they're, they're not out doing good deeds. They're out just pontificating and wanting money from people. These are the warnings that we have. These are clear warnings and young people are easily, easily impressed. And I've seen it many times in my life. I've seen where, where young men come in, guys come in and they start talking about the Bible, this and that, and they know everything. And there was one guy who came in and the pastor was saying, you know, turn to this first, look at this. And he goes, I said, what are you doing? He said, I already know these verses. I'm just turning the pages on my heart. It's already stored in my heart. I'm like, please. Come on. But anyway, he knew all the verses. He knew everything. And, and, uh, um, and, 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 you know, all these young guys were impressed by him. And then the pastor comes, he says, oh, yeah, I'll be counseling with, with this guy's wife. I said, what's with his wife? I thought this guy knows everything about... 
He says he might know everything, but his wife is just being crushed in this marriage. And, and sure enough, you know, you, you look behind the scenes, they're not quite what they thought they were. But young people are easily impressed by these sorts of things because somebody knows a few Bible verses by heart. Be careful of these things. And he warns us of these things. So this is what he's talking about. Then he says, he says, look, in verse 19 of, of Romans chapter 16, I know you're gonna, I know I hear good reports of you. You're, I want you to just be, be wise in what's good and innocent in what's evil. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. I mean, this is beautiful. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That is beautiful. He's speaking probably some reference back to, to Genesis chapter 3.15, where it says, the seed, the seed will crush Satan on his head. And, uh, uh, you, you know, this, this being able to say that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Satan is no match for God. No way, no way. You think God is like, what am I going to do with Satan? It's, it's like God can just pick him up and fling him. It's no problem. God will soon crush Satan under your feet. No problem for God. God is all-powerful. In everything, He's all-powerful. The blood of Jesus. If you feel demonic attack at times, you just start singing about the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Just bring it up on YouTube if you don't know that song and just turn that thing on and sing along with it. I mean, this just puts the enemy to flight. Some night you wake up and you're, you're, you're tossed about by, by, by spiritual things that are bothering you. Sing about the blood of Jesus. The enemy just leaves the blood of Jesus that accomplishes so much. You sing about Jesus and, and uh, it's just amazing. The power, the power that comes. The, the enemy is no problem. Oh, the blood of Jesus. You, you just type that into YouTube music and boom. And just, just sing along with that. It is just beautiful. And uh, uh, now, now let's look in, in, in the last part that we haven't yet covered in this chapter. Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Now, to him who is able to establish you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all nations, leading to obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. So he says, he says, now to him, so he's offering this up. This is, this is, this is his doxology. And, and, and this is the real one. Remember, he had a couple other ones. And he said, oh yeah, I remember to say, say hi to these people. He says, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. What, what was Paul's gospel? What, why did he call it my gospel? We covered this before. Paul was always speaking about this positional truth. That where we are in Christ, positional truth, in Him, in whom, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus Christ, over and over again, through whom. This terminology is so much of what Paul was teaching. Who we are in Christ, in Him, we are different than the way we feel personally. In Him, we are different. This whole positional truth, this is what he's talking about. Paul takes us 
through this book, and we've covered this before in this, in this very epistle, he takes us and he tells us, he shows us who we are in Christ, who we are in Christ. In our, in our flesh, we are nothing. We are, we are constantly battling with sin in our mind. If you think you're unique in this, you are not. Everyone around you is just like you. They struggle with sin in their lives. And, and Paul shows us positional truth, who we are in Christ. And it is a beautiful thing, over and over again. In Him we are, we are seated in these places. We are seated in heaven in these places because of Him. This is what he's talking about, my gospel. And then what he goes through, he, and then he says, he talks about, uh, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret from long ages past. So there was a mystery in the Old Testament that was not revealed until the New Testament. And, and, and the Bible tells us that angels even longed to look into these things. They wanted to see what was going on. The prophets were trying to discern these things. We're going to learn this because the next book we go through is going to be First Peter. And, and they were trying to discern these things. And it says, But now has been manifest, in verse 26, And by the Scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all nations, leading to the obedience of faith. So, so what is this mystery? What is this mystery that, that's been kept secret? The mystery is not that Gentiles were going to be coming into the faith. That is revealed in the Old Testament, that the Word of God is going to go out to all the nations. That means the Gentiles. That means beyond the Jews. That, that was not a mystery. That was revealed in the Old Testament. The mystery, as we've talked about before, was that Jews and Gentiles would be worshiping together, that they would be together in one body. Look in Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 4. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That the Gentiles and the, and, and, and the Jews would be worshiping together. That was the mystery. Not that Gentiles would hear the word of God, but that they would be heirs together with the Jewish people. This is heirs together of the spiritual blessings that the Jews have. Every spiritual blessing that you read that the Jews have, Gentiles now have it. They don't have the same physical blessings. That's different. But they, they don't have, for example, the land. They don't have the same physical blessings, but they have the same spiritual blessings. In Christ, we are absolutely one in the spiritual blessings. Gentiles have their own sets of blessings, physical blessings. But the spiritual blessing is the same, and we worship together. Many people ask me that, why do I as a Jew not worship in a messianic synagogue? That means a synagogue where people believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And the reason that I don't do that is because I don't see that being the message of the gospel. I don't see this separateness as the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is this oneness in Christ that we are worshiping together. That is the mystery that was never revealed in the Old Testament, that was only revealed in the New Testament. And Paul makes it clear. This mystery is that through the gospel, 
The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. They are heirs. They're heirs of every spiritual blessing. Members together of one body, the church. We are members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. The intent always was for Jews and Gentiles to be worshiping together. That has always been the intent of God. God knew it. He kept it a mystery until Jesus. It was made clear in Christ. If you do not know the Lord, I urge you to come and know Him. I urge you to come and know Him. And I pray that today, this very day, you would give your life to Jesus. This very day that you would give your life to Jesus. There is rarely a week that goes by that I don't see somebody come to the Lord through a one-on-one conversation that I have with them. Rarely a week. And this is why I urge you, if you do not know the Lord, please reach out to me. Please send me an email to tour at drjamestour.org or, or, uh, um, or just, just come up to me afterward and we will set up a time and I will talk to you. And I think you'll be saved that very day. And, and I see this all the time. I urge you so that you can partake of this, so that you can be a partaker of this positional truth where he takes you and he sets you apart in him. Jesus does this. And, and what, what Paul leaves us with, if, if you can just remember one thing from this chapter, remember this, this whole idea, this whole idea of, of, of faith, this whole life idea of, of what comes in faith. You know, we, we studied this back in Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse 30. I just want to take you back there so you remember he's calling us constantly into faith. Romans chapter 9, verse 30. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attain righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Israel was pursuing righteousness. They thought, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I will be righteous in God's eyes. They didn't get it. They didn't attain it. You can speak to an Orthodox Jew today. They will justify themselves based on what they do. I wear this kuppah, I go to the synagogue on Friday nights, I observe the Sabbath, I was baptized, I, I, was, I was circumcised on the eighth day, I, I do all of these things, somehow justifying themselves. He says they, they, never, they never got it. But the Gentiles got it. And they weren't even pursuing it. Why? Paul asks in, in, in Romans chapter 9, verse 32, why? Then he tells us, because Why didn't the Jews get it? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. He who believes in Jesus will not be disappointed. I urge you, if you do not know the Lord, come to me, speak to me, and I will tell you about the Lord. If you have a friend who doesn't know the Lord, and you're wondering, how am I going to speak to them? Wonder no more. Bring them to me. Just bring them to me. I'll speak to them. I'll do this. I'll talk to them about the Lord. Just bring them to me. I love doing it. The Bible says that, 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 uh, um, that He has called us to enter into this labor, to reap where, where, where others have sown. In fact, He says, I have sent you to reap. And I just received that. So bring them to me. We'll bring them on in that way. Many people come to me just by introductions from others. 
This is how I have this contact with people. Do this, and you will not be disappointed. And I urge you, if as believers in Christ, as believers in Christ, it is by faith. You believe in Jesus, and it establishes righteousness. You take by faith the very things of the Word of God. If you receive it by faith, that, in God's eyes, is receiving the righteousness. It is righteousness by faith in Him. You believe the things of Jesus. That's the establishment of righteousness. If you forget everything from this book, just remember that. It is by faith. It is not by works. It is by faith. And through that faith, through that faith, boom, a gazillion good works will come. That I'm sure of. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to have studied this book. Lord, I learned so much from the Word of God. Every time I study a book, I learn so much. Blessed be your name, Lord God. Even as the scriptures say, were not our hearts burning within us when he spoke to us along the road and when he opened the scriptures to us? Thank you, Lord, for opening the scriptures to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you have done for us. Thank you that we are seated in these positional places with you because of the doors that you have opened. We shall forever, forever be grateful to you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would save a soul this day. Open that up, I pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all your grace and for all your mercies. Blessed be your name, Lord God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, my Father. And I offer this up to you, and I offer this book up to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.